Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. If you've been with us, you know that we are in a loving life series. And you know that loving life is not just about loving life when your hockey team wins or when you get a promotion at work or when your children obey you all the time. Anybody experience that? Um, that's not what loving life means, right? That's a, that's a very emotionally led person that, that uh, needs a lot of care and support in their life. Loving life means that in every situation, wherever we are, that we have this confidence that God is sovereign. We have this confidence that God is with us. And we're looking at the book of Philippians because the book of Philippians is a especially encouraging book. And it's a book that was written to the church in Philippi by the Apostle Paul who wrote it from a Roman prison. Think about that. Paul's writing all these encouraging words while he's in prison, talking about the joy of the Lord, talking about partnership, talking about uh, people who they, he's thanking them for their generosity that in the middle of prison because there, there were no cafeterias in the Roman prison. There, were no, uh, there, there was no support at all that you were supported by people coming to you and bringing you what you need, bringing you your food. And, and that was the only encouragement that you got. And he was saying, thank you for this. And the Apostle Paul, in the middle of everything he's going on, he has this way of not being tossed around by the waves of life. Not being tossed around by all the things that happen to him. But, but, he, but he's able to walk through this in spite of that. And it, it makes me, and I think it should make all of this, that desire for this fruit of, that's coming through Paul's life where we want that. I want that in my life. To where does, in spite of what I see in the news, in spite of what happens to me when I walk out the door, in spite of what happens to me when I uh, look in my basement that may be flooding, that I can have this consistency in life of God, you are sovereign, you are with me, you're working everything out to the good as I look to you. And so as we looked at this, Paul, he laid out several keys. And in week one, we talked about partnership, how we need each other. Uh, I couldn't wait to get here with all of you today because we're, we're family. We're partners in Christ. We encourage one another. We check up on each other. How'd that appointment go? How are you doing? I'm so glad you passed that kidney stone. Praise God. It's a boy. You know? um, and then week two, we, that's true, by the way. Um, week two... Uh, we, we, we talked about how we need to work out our salvation, and that process of working out just like an athlete who goes to the gym, we, we work out our salvation. Paul says that you will be like lights that will shine for the gospel, that, 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 the, that Jesus, he will be reflected in all that you do, and he will shine through you, but you got to work out. you gotta, you got to put the time in. You know, uh, salvation is the gift of God. It's by grace that we've been saved, but now we got to work out. We, we want to make the most of every opportunity. And now this week, we're, and I think it's very appropriate for everything going on, Paul is talking about focus. He's talking about our need that we have for focus. And he lays this out in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Follow along with me. Paul says this. He says, look, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, that's that partnership again. He says, no, I haven't achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Paul says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, is calling us. Amen? 
Amen. So, Lord, bless your word today. May it light up our eyes to see what you want us to see. And, Father, may it empower us to do the things that you are calling us to do by faith. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. So we're talking about focus today. See, focus is essential to anything that we want to do in life. In order to move forward to a goal or or to achieve anything that we we want to do, it's not going to happen without focus. I mean, without focus, we'll just be wandering around. And it's especially, it seems to be especially challenging today. I mean, it's very easy for us to think, well, things are harder for me than it was for people before me. That's not always true, especially when my dad tells me stories about the past. But one of the areas I think where it's very difficult for us today comes into this area of focus. Because we have so many things to distract us. Have you heard of the death scroll on social media, right? You start looking at a few reels and you go, oh, there's a cat in a costume. Or, oh, there's this happening. Or, you know, for me, it's comedians and it's theologians and it's just, you know, all this stuff going on. And before you know it, hours can pass. Anybody ever do that? Yeah, okay. I, I, I knew you were sinners like me, okay? So just walking through this, you can get caught up. But the thing is, focus is so important that, that even now, I think especially business leaders and, and people that hire and equip people, they will say that focus is the new superpower. It's not flight. It's, no, that's, if you can do that, praise God. It's the ability to focus. Because we are now living in a time when the ability to focus is so difficult because of all these things going on because it used to be you only knew what was happening on your farm or in your little community where now the moment it happens halfway around the world, we know about it. And there's even times in social media that we know more about what's happening than even some people on the ground because there's all these cameras around, all these things happening. And then there's something happening over here. There's something happening over here. And my friend just made an incredible cake, but they didn't call me to share it with me. And then they're going over here. And we have all these things that just, and our our spirits are so full. And the day is gone, and we're laying down. And we're like, what did I do? It's that ability to focus. See, focus is so important because... All of the great inventors, all of the great leaders, all of the great pioneers in our world, they all had that ability to harness their energy, to harness their talents, and, their re- and all their resources on a single goal over a long period of time, right? It's that Eugene Peterson, you know, uh, it's obedience over the long haul. It's the ability to walk, to obey, to lay it out over a long period of time. See, the ability to focus is a great determiner of our ability to succeed. And in our highly distracted culture, those who have that ability, those who have that discipline, they stand out. I mean, what employer in the room would not want to hire somebody who has an ability to focus? Because if you, if you can focus and be committed, I can train you. But if you can't focus, we're going to have a very difficult time. Yeah, thank you, Val. And so Paul, he's, he's addressing this in his passage today. That there's a God who made us, there's a God who loves us, there's a God who he's called us for his purpose. And he's also call, telling us that there's no better life than following and serving the Lord. And that this is what loving life is about. But to do that, it requires that we surrender to and we walk with the almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth. The one who holds everything in his hands. But to do this, what do we need? Focus. We need this focus. So as we look to sharpen our focus today... We need to understand that one of the biggest detractors is our past. 
See, one of the biggest obstacles to focus a lot of times, yeah, it's social media and it's all those things, but a lot of what Paul is calling out here is he's saying one of the biggest things that can distract us from moving forward is our past. I mean, think about what's one of the first things that you do when you, when you get in your car, or what's one of the first things you should do when you get in your car, Right? You get Spotify on, and you get your coffee ready, all that kind of stuff. But before you move, you adjust your rearview mirror. Why? Because you're going to be backing up. You got rear view, you got, you got side view mirrors, and you're backing up, and you're, you're looking, right, all the new student drivers, right? You're looking to see what's going on. You don't just trust the backup cam, but you're looking back, and you're backing up because you need to see what's going on, and it's important to look at that, but the rearview mirror is something that you glance at. It's not something that you stare at. See, the, the car was not invented to allow people to back out of their garages or back out of their driveway. The car was invented to move you forward. The car was invented to get you from point A to point B. That's the whole purpose of a car. And if we focus on the rearview mirror all the time, we're going to have a lot of problems. There are no Tom Cruises in here who can excel going through the rearview mirror and backing up. Do you, have you heard of Tom Cruise? Is that a foreign concept to you guys? I still haven't seen the new movie, so don't, don't ruin it for me. Now you're disappointed. You're like, I'm leaving. See, we were made to go forward, and Paul, he's addressing this because if anybody had a past, the Apostle Paul had a past. I mean, and here, Paul, he's confessing that in the eyes of his peers, one of the things that he had is he had a very successful past. When we look at Philippians chapter 2, he says this in the beginning. He says, look, we put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. He said, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight years old. It doesn't mean much to us today, but it meant a lot to the Jews back then, okay? He said, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Boom. Now, none of that means anything to us, and some of us are even a little offended by some of that stuff. But in his day, with his people who he was talking to, this was a resume of trust and of confidence where he checked every box in that day for where he was. And he's saying, look, in every way, I nailed it. I'm in the right family. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I followed the law. And he also studied with one of the top rabbis of that day. And he said, I was so zealous that I just didn't read it, but I acted on it. I went after Christians because he saw, he, he saw Christians as people who were against God, not for God. And he said, even beyond that, we see in his other writings, they talked about he was a Roman citizen, which gave him all the rights of the occupying country that was in charge. Paul, he also spoke Hebrew, the language of the Jewish people, but he also spoke Greek. And in the eyes of the Jewish community, Paul was a success. He was accepted as a great leader. He was even endorsed by his leaders with a letter that gave him full authority wherever he went. And as we all know, success can be a big distraction. Because when you're successful, when you've got the resume, when you're walking out and people are saying, there you go, Paul, great job, it's easy to get puffed up, isn't it? And to say, I did it. 
I can do everything. Why can't you do it? What's your problem? Things are happening for me. See, success has the trap of tempting us to focus that it's all about me. Look at what I've done. But there's another distraction from his past. And the other distraction from the Apostle Paul's past is pain. See, while Paul was out, to use his own words, being confident in his flesh, he was actually blinded into thinking that he was acting for God. See, before Jesus, Paul's life was focused on persecuting and even attacking Christians all the time thinking he was doing it for God. See, Paul was there, and if if you've read through this, in the book of Acts, it says that Paul was there for the trial of Stephen and the stoning to death of Stephen. Stephen, and he was guilty of even being accessory by holding the garments of those who threw the stones, one of the most famous martyrs that we have in Scripture. And as a result of that, persecution went out, the persecution of, 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 uh, of, of Christians, and, and the Christians began to scatter, and Paul was right there leading the charge, chasing them down. See, Paul was so ruthless that many theologians even cite him as one of the most feared Christians of that day, many theologians even calling Paul before Jesus a terrorist. Acts 8.3 describes it this way. He says, he began ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women to put them in prison. This was the Apostle Paul. Now, we know how the story ends. And the miracle of the Apostle Paul is that when Jesus steps in, and we've said this many times, that no matter your past, when Jesus steps in and you see Jesus, though you've been a million miles even attacking God, the minute you turn your life over to Jesus, you're one step away from God. That's the amazing part of God. And we know how it ends. Paul goes on to become one of the greatest missionaries, one of the greatest church planters, one of the great equippers for Christ of all time. But Paul has a past to deal with because he turns his life to Christ, but now he's on this path with, with Jesus, but now he has, he's really, he has no country of his own because the Jewish people, they're all mad because Paul's now a traitor, and now they're after him, and all the Christians are saying, you know, is, is, is Paul really saved? Is he really a Christian? Is, maybe he's just doing this to trick us. Paul was trusted by nobody. So he's literally seen the light. He knows now who Christ is and what he's called him to. And he knows that he has to move forward. But how do you move forward when you've lost all your friends, when you've, you've lost, his career is gone, his, his support is gone, his influence is gone? How do you move forward? Well, Paul says this. He says, I focus on one thing, forgetting the past, and I look forward to what lies ahead. Paul's saying that the secret, the key that he's found in all of this is you focus forward. You move forward. In other words, Paul's saying, stop staring at the rearview mirror. <laughs> okay? You address it, you deal with it to get out, but you have to move forward. See, life is in front of us. It's not behind us. There is unimaginable opportunities that are in front of us if we will just fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, casting aside every hindrance, every weight. We need to focus on Jesus and move forward. But this can be easier said than done. 
See, it's very easy for me to stand up here and go, yeah, this is what the Bible says, and we're going to walk out and do it. And then we walk through the door. Easy to say, but difficult to do. So how do we do this? Well, Paul, he lays out two things in this, two things that enable us to be focused and to move forward. How many, you're ready to move forward. You're just, I'm ready to move forward. Whether it's lunch or whatever it is, right? You're just, I'm ready to move forward. Paul says one of the first things, he says, is you need to forget the past. Forget the past. So how many of you forgotten your, your past? If I would say forget your past right now, you're like, all right, done, no problem. It's tough. Now, I don't know about you, my past is very difficult for me to forget. And it's difficult for two reasons, because first of all, I have remorse and regret for things that I've done, but I've also got remorse and regret for things that I didn't do, opportunities that I missed, things that God brought my way and just kind of put in front of me, but I was too scared to do. Anybody ever been there? where the Lord's led you, and, and it was there, and in the time, you're like, oh, that's such a big step, but you're looking back, you're going, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I walk in that way? Why didn't I operate in that way? See, we know that the secret is not in just muscling through. Yes, we work out, but we walk by faith. It's not just about muscling through and just, and just kind of getting in a quarter and going, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, or going, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, right? That's that doesn't work. See, just stuffing things down or ignoring things will make it worse and it will make your recovery time a lot longer. See, when Paul says forget, he's not saying ignore it. He is telling us to choose not to focus on it. See, forgetting doesn't naturally happen. It's a choice and the choice starts when we call it out. We need to call it out for what it is. And this is what Paul does with his past. I mean, listen to what, 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 what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, starting at verse 7. Paul says, I once thought that these things were valuable, my precious, right? But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. And then he says it again. And any time in the Bible when, the, when, a, when a writer repeats themselves, they're not just doing that just to do that, but they're saying, this is important, pay attention here. So he says again, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he keeps going, he says, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as what? Garbage. So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And then he says, I want to suffer with him. I want to share in his death. Why? He says, I want to suffer with him, and I want to share in his death, so that one way or another, he's saying, whether I live, whether I die, whatever, here's my goal. I want to experience resurrection from the dead, from this dead life. I want to be alive in Jesus. So Jesus, heal me or take me. I don't care, because either way, I'm going to experience resurrection with you. And he's writing this. This is not theory. He's writing this from a Roman prison. 
So Paul, he looks at his past. He admits that it was once good, but then he calls it garbage. And in other words, here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, in your life, you want to move forward? Here's what you got to do. It's time for you to take out the trash. It's time for you to take out the garbage. And the word that's used here for garbage is a word that also means loss or even damage. And then later, in, in one version, when you interpret it, he says, I consider it all dung. Do you know what dung is? All right, I'll move on. He gets really graphic. He's saying it's, it's worthless. He's saying all that stuff in the past, it's not just worthless. He says it's damaging. I mean, can you imagine if instead of taking our trash out and having it taken off, that we just kind of kept it in our house and it just kind of kept stacking up and piling up around us? What would your life group think of that when they showed up? It's damaging. It destroys. And he says all of this stuff, he said it needs to be thrown out. All the hurts of the past, all the glory I thought I did, and all this stuff, he's saying, it's all trash. It's garbage. Get rid of it. And it may be easy for us to go, yeah, I can nod along with that, but why is it so hard to get rid of stuff? I mean, we have like reality TV shows called Hoarders. And we can look at them and go, I'd never be that. I'd never be the person who would cry over a Sears catalog from 1985 and I couldn't get rid of it. But we can do the same thing with some of our stuff. We can hold on to it. We can hold on to the glories of the past or we can hold on to the regrets of the past. And unfortunately, this is what happened to the nation of Israel. See, the nation of Israel was created by God to exemplify who he is to the world and God puts everything in there to show us the good and the bad and the ugly and to show how it can all be redeemed through Jesus. But when we look back in the book of Exodus, we see how God had answered their prayers to be rescued from horrific slavery. And you would think that they would spend the rest of their days saying, God, thank you, thank you for rescuing me. And many did, but there were many as well that we see in Exodus 14 that at the first sign of trouble, when they came to what seemed to be a dead end, the first roadblock, they turned on God and they said, slavery was better than what this is. At least I had leeks. At least I had onions. We'd be like, at least somebody brought me Starbucks every day. I know. I'm a Herkimer guy, but you know. See, when we hit roadblocks with God, we have this false impression that, you know, God, I did this, and you didn't work, you didn't work, you didn't work. And God said, I don't work for you. <laughs> and not only that, I don't have his perspective. I don't have his power. He is sovereign. He works all things out to the good, but his good is transformation. His good is surrender. His good is getting all the junk at myself. He's not going to put somebody in charge that their house is full of garbage. He's going to say, surrender to me, Let's get rid of all the garbage. Let's get you ready. But God is in charge. He is sovereign that no matter if I'm in the mountains, if I'm in the ocean, if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, you are God. This is Paul. I'm in a Roman prison. You know that Paul was even rescued from prison by God, and he said, nope, I'm staying here because I, th I think that jailer is going to give his life to Jesus. <laughs> this is 
what the Lord is calling us to. So Paul is telling us that you need to forget the past, but in order to do that, you've got to deal with it, you've got to call it out for what it is, and you've got to learn from it and be done with it. You glance in the rearview mirror, you back out of that, and then you go. So how do we do this? How do we take out the garbage? Well, Paul lays several things out. And Scripture lays these out. We, we have these, these, this, this wonderful thing, and even as we sit here on Yom Kippur, a big part of Yom Kippur is prayer and fasting. We take the garbage out by what? Prayer and fasting. I mean, every, every great saint, if you look at him and say, what is one thing that you would have done different? They'll say, I wish I prayed and fasted more. When the disciples went to him, went to Jesus and said, why didn't it work? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Fasting is getting rid of what? All the distractions. Prayers, fasting is getting rid of all these things. And we're our hunger, we're having to teach ourselves, instead of hungering for this stuff, I need to hunger for God. And we go to God and we pray and we lay it out and we lay it out. And we go through the pain, like every person who goes to the gym for that first week, that first few months, that first year, there's a pain in that. But if you stick with it, your body gets stronger. That's how he made us. And then there's confession. We pray, we fast, but we confess. James 5 says, therefore, confess your sins. That's, those are the things that are out of alignment with God, the disobedience, all of those things. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. See, confession is that unloading, that unpacking of all this stuff. And I do that to God, but I also do that to a trusted person in my life. And the writer James goes on to say, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You want to get rid of that stuff? You pray and you fast, you confess. But we also have this wonderful tool called Christian counseling. We have a wonderful counselor here at Shoreline Community Church. Because we need people, brothers and sisters in Christ, who will walk alongside of us. See, the word counseling is literally throughout. I mean, look at all the scriptures that are up there, and I could have put a lot more. It would just be so small, you wouldn't be able to read it. It says, believers are to counsel one another. We see that in Romans 15 and Colossians 3. Children are to be counseled. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Counseled in the ways of the Lord, Ephesians 6. And then exhortation is one of the responsibilities of the church. This is that counseling where I'm encouraging you in the things of the Lord. Romans, this is Paul saying all of this. See, we need to take the trash out. But taking the trash out, it's not a one-time event. That's why prayer is not a one-time event. That's why confessing is not a one-time event. We need to take it out. Because if we let it stack up, we're going to get in trouble. I mean, have you ever seen a runner running the race carrying their baggage and carrying all their trash? No. The coach would be like, that guy's got nuts. You've got to get rid of it. See, serious athletes, when they fix their eyes on a goal in front of them, they bring focus. They don't try to bring in all these temptations to prove how strong they are. They try to get rid of everything. You see, you watch a serious athlete and you open up their fridge, it is cleaned out. I remember back in college, I went to one guy's fridge, I opened it up, it was full, and I'm like, there's nothing here to eat. There's no Twinkies, there's nothing in here. 
They clean out their fridge. They turn off their phones at night. They'll take their phone, and because they want rest, they'll leave it out in the kitchen because they want to get their rest. Why? Because they have a goal, and they know they need to get sleep, and nothing should distract them. They declutter their lives in order to focus. They lay out their clothes the night before, so when they get up early in the morning to run, there's nothing to stop them. They put their clothes on, and they take off, and they run. Because they know that anything gets in their way, it's garbage because I've got a a goal that's laid in front of me. I've seen students do this. When students, when they're going after something, they will get rid of all the clutter, they'll get rid of all the distractions, they'll get rid of everything because they've got a goal in front of them, something that they want to do. When I got married, my other relationships changed. You would too if you married Stephanie. (laughs) They did, didn't they? A lot of things changed. And some of them hurt. I didn't play basketball as much as I wanted to. But I had Stephanie. (laughs) I needed to build my marriage. I needed to walk with her. I still had friends, yes, but I'm one with Stephanie. See, all my basketball buddies, they don't call me anymore, but Stephanie still calls me. She's still there for me. Do you see what I'm saying in that? There's a focus, there's a prize, there's something going forward. And you've got to make sacrifice because everything worth doing is going to require sacrifice. Being here today meant you had to say no to something else. You could have done other stuff. But the Bible says there's nothing more important than doing this. Not because it's easy, sometimes it's tough. And when you have kids and you bring your kids here, is that tough? I mean, I know I was a kid. I mean, when, when I was a kid, I didn't even, and I know you're looking, Pastor Dwayne, you must have just loved church so much that you just wanted to work there. I'm, I, I got to tell you, I can't tell you, it would be hard to point to a weekend that I didn't fake sick to stay out of church. It would be hard for me. I was always trying to say stuff, but mom and dad were like, no, you need to gather together. You need to be there. And it wasn't always easy, and they didn't have kids' church, and they didn't even have goldfish crackers for me. It was tough. But my mom and my dad went, we're going to raise you in the house of the Lord. When you grow up, that's your choice, but we're going to put a foundation here. We're, we're, we're going to start fixing some habits just like they didn't let me have Twinkies every night, just like they didn't let me have soda every meal. Why? We're going to counsel you. We're going to raise you in the right way in all these areas of your life. We're going to do the very best of our ability. Did they make mistakes? Every parent who made a mistake raised their hand. But to the very best, you lay it out. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to gather together. We're going to be here. That's why when, when, when I see parents with kids, I'm like, good job. Because you went through a lot of diapers. I was going to say dung. You went through a lot of diapers. <laughs> I was going to quote Paul. So I'm seeing, you know, when I see the twins, I see Eden, and I look back in the wiggle room. And I see kids coming up, and I hear a kid cry. I'm going, yes. They're being raised in the house of God. You need to walk that way. Because this is the focus that Paul's talking about. He says, you got to run for the prize. See, focus is not just about taking out the garbage. It's important. But now you got to run. You've got to go. and That's why he says, I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And that's why Paul said, I want to suffer with him. I want to share in his death so that one way or the other, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And he says this, I don't mean to say I've already achieved it. He's saying, I haven't achieved all these things or that I've already reached perfection. 
He says this, then he says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. And he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I forget the past, and I look forward to what lies ahead. And then he says this. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And then he says, let all who are spiritually mature, all those you're no longer child, all those that you're grown up, all of you, all y'all, agree on these things. He's saying, never forget the goal, to know Christ, to walk with Christ. See, Paul, he's experienced Christ. He knows what it means to walk in that, to walk in obedience. He knows what it means that in life and death, I'm going to walk with you. And as a result, now he knows the power of God that comes. He knows what it is to pray for somebody and they're healed. He knows what it is to face death and persecution and say, I'm focusing on Jesus. I'm following Jesus no matter what. He will provide for me. He will give me everything that I need. And the image that he uses in this is I love how when he walks in, he's, he, he's, he's saying that everything else compared to all of this is garbage. It is trash. C.S. Lewis said, it's like you're, you're playing with mud pies in this back street when there's a whole ocean just a block away from you. Why are we so content to play in the mud when we can be in the ocean? That's what we're being called to. See, when we focus on the prize of knowing Jesus, this empowers us to walk through any storm because we're watching Jesus. See, this is the type of focus that's used by Olympic runners. And it's that language, forgetting the past, looking forward, straining forward. When he says, I press on, it is straining language. It's that language that says, I'm leaning forward. Runners in the race are not kicked back like this. That's half marathon runners with me that I'm way in the back with like the the 10, 11-minute pace group. But the people in the front, they're up in the front, they're straining, they've got their watch going. They're going for that prize money. But they want the prize. They're leaning, they're straining. Every bit of emotion, every bit of focus, they're not looking at that person. They're not looking, oh, cute shoes. They're focusing forward. Everything in them. He says, I press on. Do you know that this is the only time that that word straining is used in the New Testament? It's that important. In prison, I'm straining on. When my kids want to wake up at 3 o'clock, I'm straining on. When I get a diagnosis I don't like, I'm straining for the prize. Whatever it is, everything is reaching. Everything is reaching. See, this is why God doesn't even look back. When we give our life to Jesus and we surrender it, you know, the Bible says, I remember no more. Hebrews 8, 12. When we come to Jesus by faith, we confess our sin and he forgives us. God chooses to, for, to remember those things no more. So when we bring them up, he's like, why are you doing this? Let's move forward. Hebrews 8, 12, I will forgive and remember their sin no more. Jeremiah 31, I will forgive and remember their sins no more. Psalms 103, as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions from us. See, when we give our life to Jesus, we are no longer measured by our past because it's forgiven. Nobody else does this. Facebook doesn't do this. 
TikTok doesn't do this. Instagram doesn't do that. All your past is there. Have you ever been like, why did I post that? When we come to Jesus, we're no longer measured by our past. When God forgives us, he chooses to forget. And he says, let's get going. Let's take the trash out. And let's move on. How many are ready for that today? You ready for that? As the worship team comes, we're going to head into a time of communion because, you know, since I've been doing this study, when I come to communion now, I hear God speaking to me, Dwayne, take the trash out. See, when Paul says, not that I've achieved it, I go, yes, I have not achieved it. When Paul says, I'm not perfect, I'm like, yes, Paul, I can identify with that. There's trash that comes into our life. Fear. Habitual sin. There's times where we're like, yes, God, I believe in you. And there's times like, oh, I don't know if I can trust. There's times that we're like Peter where we jump out of the boat and we're like, I'm walking on water, I'm walking on water, I'm walking on water. And then we take our eyes off Jesus and we fall. But then we look to Jesus and he grabs a hold of us. I'd like for you to take this communion cup and if, if you didn't get one on the way in, just lift your hand and we have some people that are gonna help you. How many need this? I wanna make sure everybody has this. We have people up upstairs. If you're up in the balcony, you can raise your hand. We love balcony people. So if you didn't get one, just lift your hand. See, on, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, how apropos, on the very night, he had to keep telling his disciples, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And they're like, no, that's not the way of Jesus. He said, no. It's for you. It's for your forgiveness. See, Jesus, he didn't minimize our past. He didn't say it's not important. He didn't say it wasn't bad. He said, I love you enough. I'm going to clean it out. I'm going to clean your house. I'm going to get you ready for a life that's unimaginable. And it begins right here. And, he, and so we took it, and I encourage you to just take that, that little cracker, that, that bread. And he took the bread, and, and he, he broke it. Right? That's why we often say we're breaking bread with one another. We're sharing. He broke, he broke the bread, and he passed it around. And then his disciples, they had this bread, and he said, this, this, this is my body that is broken broken for you. See, when we, the reason why we do this every week is because this is an act of, it's an opportunity of forgiveness. See, forgiveness is out there, but you need to confess. You need to confess. Take a moment and just close your eyes and if you have stuff, because there's always garbage that you know that's in your life because you can smell it. But there's always that hidden part where you know there's something here, but I can't find it. That's why Jesus said, reveal to me my unknown sin. Would you just close your eyes and just you and the Holy Spirit say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me stuff that I don't even know about. Things that are in the way and it's just, it's catching me. And Would you reveal that to us now, Holy Spirit? Reveal that to me, anything in my life. Anything that I've not confessed. Maybe... Maybe it's an odd that I have against a brother or sister and I've not forgiven them. Maybe it's a fear I've been stuffing down.
Or here's a big one. Maybe I feel like a failure. How many struggle with that? I feel like I failed. Man, that's a big one. You know, that's, that's the one that the enemy uses with me. I can look back and go, man, I failed as a pastor. I failed as a husband. I failed as a friend. I failed as a dad. You know what Jesus says? Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Let's move forward, Dwayne. Let's move forward, whoever you are. Confess that. Give it to the Lord. Father, we confess our sin to you. Forgive us. Move in our life. Take out the trash in our lives so that we can move forward. And then I, after I confess, I always break it. I just confessed in front of all of you. And I just broke it. And now he said, take and eat. Eat this bread in Jesus' name. You can receive the bread when you're ready today. Mm. Thank you, Lord. And then Jesus took the cup. Because after you have bread, you need something to drink. And he took this cup and he said, this cup, this represents my blood. But he said, this is also a new covenant. It's a new way. It's not the old way. It's not the old way that Paul did where he, was, he had all, all the resume items laid out. It's not about how good I am. It's about how great Jesus is. And he says, this is the new covenant between you and me now. I've forgiven you. But the blood is also a symbol of healing. So every time that I drink this, I pray for healing for myself. I pray for healing for friends I know. And would you just take a moment to do that? If you need healing in your life, say, Jesus, I'm about to drink this. This, this represents your blood. And your word says that it's by your blood, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. So, Father, heal me today. Heal my friends that are suffering. Lord, heal those relationships that are broken. Let faith rise up within us today, I pray. And then when you're ready, you can drink the cup. Let's drink this together and receive our healing today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just stand together and give thanks to the Lord today? Father, we give you thanks. You alone are worthy of all glory and honor, of wisdom, of might. And Lord, we are yours. I am yours. Complete surrender. And Lord, we know that when you forgive us, as we just read, that you said that as far as the east is from the west, so have you removed our sin from us. So Lord, heal us. That we wouldn't focus on the rearview mirror, but we would move forward in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward. And as the team leads us in the song today, this is our benediction. I'll, I'm, I'm going to come up and say, the Lord bless you and keep you. But before we do that, let's take a moment to reflect on what the Lord is doing. If you want to come out and pray with them, they've been praying for you already. This is good. Take that step. Walk by faith. Even now I'm talking, if you want healing, just begin to step out and say, I want them to pray for me for healing. If it's walking through a relationship, even now, just begin to step out and pray together or go to the walls. But let's respond by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we give you thanks because we stand in your power, not ours. 
Now, Lord, as we've heard from your word today through the Apostle Paul, Father, may our faith rise up within us. Lord, to deal with it, deal with the past, to take out that trash in Jesus' name, and to walk forward, to press on to the prize. That whatever we face, Lord, we know we're not facing alone, but we're empowered by you, the one who gives us all that we need. And everyone said together, amen, amen, amen. Isn't that a good word from the Lord today? Not my word, but his word, to press on, press on, deal with the stuff, and then press on. One of the ways that we do that, boy, if you're not connected, if you're not serving, you want that life to the full, find that place. There's so many things to do. This is our benediction. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. Love you all. God bless.